0: This is Terrio Media. How to calculate cash flow in real estate. It's not as complicated as most people make it out to be, but it is important to understand, especially if you want to escape the rat race and enjoy financial freedom for yourself. Yeah, you heard me right. Cash flow is that very thing that could escape you from the daily grind and create a life for yourself that's free of money worries. And I'll let you in on exactly how to calculate it. You ready? Let's go. Welcome to the all new Epic Real Estate Investing Show, the longest running real estate investing podcast on the interwebs, your source for housing market updates, creative investing strategies, and everything else you need to retire early. Some audio may be pulled from our weekly videos and may require visual support. To get the full premium experience, check out Epic Real Estate's YouTube channel, epicrei.tv. If you want to make money in real estate, Sit tight and stay tuned. If you want to go far, share this with a friend. If you want to go fast, go to reiace.com. Here's Matt. So, I'm going to show you how to calculate cash flow. I'm going to first give you the quick and dirty math version, then, I'm going to give you the slow and detailed math version. Both have their place and are very important to understand. And if you'd like some help finding affordable cash flowing properties, if you wait till the end, I'll show you how to get that help to find them so you can get to your financial freedom in one of the easiest and fastest ways. Cash flow. It's one of the four profit centers of real estate but it's the one most people will focus on, particularly if escaping the rat race is their real estate goal because it's income and that's what we need to survive. It's the income that's left over after all of the property's expenses and debt service have been paid for. It's the profit. The cash flow goal in its simplest terms is to invest in properties that are gonna pay you more than it costs you to hold onto those properties than it costs you to maintain them. So the quick and dirty math version To determine whether a property will cash flow or not is what we call the 1% rule. And what that rule says is your monthly revenue, the monthly rent from the property needs to be at least 1% or greater of the purchase price of the property. And that purchase price includes the acquisition price and if there are any repairs or not. If the rent is at least 1% or greater then those two numbers combined, the purchase price and the rehab price, the property is likely to cash flow. Not for sure, but likely to. When you find a property like that, now it is worth your time to go ahead and dive deeper into the numbers to determine whether it actually will cash flow. And I'll get to that in just a second. But the 1% rule, it looks like this. If I'm purchasing a property for $100,000, and let's say there's going to be $25,000 of rehab. What that means is my acquisition price or my purchase price is going to be $125,000. And so what I need in order for this property cash flow, I need to be able to rent for at least 1% of this number, which would be $1,250 a month. That right there is 1% of my purchase price. And you can reverse it too. For example, if you know a property rents for $1,500 a month, you know now that you cannot afford to pay $150,000 or more for it. If you pay over $150,000 for this property, it's likely not to cash flow. So that's the quick and dirty math. And that's about as far as I will go with any real estate deal. And I won't go much further than that until I get the property actually under contract. Then I'll go ahead and do the detailed math to determine whether or not it will actually cash flow. Now, let's run through the 5 steps to calculating cash flow through rental property. Step 1. Your gross monthly income. Basically, what is a rent for? And don't forget other revenue streams as well. Like maybe you're charging for an extra parking space, you're charging for storage, maybe you've got a laundry facility on site or maybe you're renting them appliances, maybe you furnish the property and maybe you are charging pet rent. All of that counts. So, you need to add all of that up to get your gross monthly income. Now that you got that number, it's time to start deducting the expenses. So, the second thing you want to do, step two is subtract the expenses. That first expense that you want to factor in is what we call our vacancy rate. Vacancies can really thwart your cash flow expectations. It can ruin everything. Though no downtime in between tenants is ideal, you do want to anticipate that the property might be sitting vacant for a little while. Maybe it is just a few days or a month in between tenants, or maybe it's multiple months. And that's a realistic thing to consider depending on what type of market you're in. And this can be a really difficult thing to calculate. It's not an exact science. So, a good starting point might be to check in with a property manager and see what type of turnover time that they have in between tenants and how long it's taking to get a new qualified tenant for properties. So, that's right, you kind of have to guess but you want to get as much of an educated guess as you possibly can. That's why if I don't know any better, if it's a brand new market for me, I will check in with a property manager to get their idea or their opinion. Now, if the market is hot, 2%, That's typically a good number to use, 2% of the gross monthly rent that you're collecting. But if your property were to sit vacant for just one month, that's an 8% number. And that can be significant because not only are you not receiving rent that month, you also have the expenses that you have to pay as well. So vacancies, they're no bueno. Now there are a lot of recurring expenses that accompany a property as well. And they're gonna vary from property to property, but I'll give you a list of what you can expect. First, you've got Property tax. There's no getting around that. Property tax, depending on what state you're in, that could be a biggie. And then there's insurance. You have to have your properties insured. And then you've got property management fees. If you're not going to manage the property yourself, you definitely want to factor that in. If you are, then you don't need to necessarily calculate this. And then there's HOA dues if applicable. That's not going to happen with every property, but some for sure. And then there's maintenance and repairs. Now, this can be another area where you kind of have to make an educated guess. And for our properties, we typically calculate anywhere from 2 to 5%. That's 2 to 5% of the gross rent will actually go to maintenance and repairs. Now, Step 3, you want to calculate your net operating income and your net operating income is what you get as a result of taking your gross monthly income and subtracting all of your expenses. That gives you the net operating income. Now, to get to your actual true cash flow number, step four is to subtract the debt service. So, to get to your true cash flow number, you're gonna take your gross monthly income, subtract your expenses, that gives you your NOI. Then you subtract your debt service and that will give you your cash flow. So, knowing this calculation and how to determine what your actual cash flow number is a really important number for you to make a wise investment decision. After all, the goal is to cash flow while the property appreciates in value. And if you're looking for properties that cash flow while they're appreciating in value, it might make sense for you to talk to Mercedes. So go and download her free investor package. You can get that at CashflowSavvy.com and then after you download that, you'll be able to pick a time to hop on the phone with her and brainstorm some ideas as to what this might look like in your investment portfolio. How can you benefit from cash flow? How can you benefit from the appreciation of real estate?
1: Please stand by. We've got overhead to pay. We'll be right back.
0: From coast to coast, Epic investors are doing the most. It's time for another Epic Field Report. Recently, I received this Voxer message from one of my Private clients, and he was sharing how in his, actually, I thought it was his first year, but we just started, uh, we're talking offline. It was actually, it took him a few years to get here, but still quite remarkable how he added nearly $1 million in value to his net worth. And then today we're going to talk to this private ARIA ACE client about how he did it and in a way so that you could potentially duplicate, walk in his his, uh, shoes and do this for yourself. So let's dive right in. I'll bring on my my special guest today, Mr. Steve Adkins. Steve, welcome to the show. Thank you, man. Yeah, we were just talking. Uh, I thought this was in your first year, but uh time has really flown. And so you sent me this little message here right at the top of the year. I guess this was just the, the beginning of this month. And it showed here, uh just listening to your podcast and joining RIA, Ace, you've added nearly a million dollars in actual value through real estate to your net worth. And that's what I want to talk to you about. So by the way, what market are you in?
1: I'm in uh, the upstate of South Carolina. So Greenville. Upstate, Carolina.
0: Great. Very good, very good. Great. So thanks for sharing that with me. And um, before we go, what challenge were you trying to solve or overcome when you decided to work with Epic?
1: Well, for me, I already had a couple of rental properties and um, I was doing okay managing them, but I didn't know how to get any more. And I, I wanted to have, you know, I had a 401k and a pension, these type things from my job. You know, when I look at them and I say, it's just not going to be enough for how we want to live. If I want to retire to say 60, I need more income. So um, that's why I decided to go with REI Ace to learn how to uh, find more deals, negotiate better, find out about markets and how to analyze them, how to analyze the deals a little bit better. Right. And uh, so those were the things that attracted me. And uh, yeah, I found, and, and also too, I was I had never flipped, I think I had flipped one property at that point in time. I made a little money on it and I thought, you know, I bet there was a lot more money to be made in that deal than I had earned. So that was another thing I wanted to to be able to get more money out of each deal.
0: Very good. What would have it meant to you personally if you had been able to actually solve that?
1: Well, I could retire earlier. I could um, retire with freedom and be independent. That's the solution
0: that I need. That's the dream, right? That's Very dream. good. All right. So let's bang What were the, the actions and the results, I guess, of what got you to add this nearly one million dollars to your net worth? Can you kind of take me back through the, the, the deals if you can recall them? Were there a bunch of them? Was it just one?
1: No, no, I've got it written down here so I won't forget anything. You know, I'm getting I'm talking about retirements, I'm getting older, so I gotta write that. <laughs> so remember, now, since I joined REI ACE, I've made twenty two real estate transactions. Okay. Um, I went from two properties to holding eight and um, I went from making about 20,000 on a flip to averaging 40,000 or, or sometimes they've been 60 and $70,000 dollars i made on a flip. I've done a few notes in that period of time and I've made about 30,000 on each one of those. I would not have been able to locate these deals had I not been, been involved in REIs. So uh, what I've used, what I've learned from, from REI Ace was the use of property finders. That's mm-hmm. helped me a great deal because I'm, I'm a busy, what you might call a busy professional. And right. um, I'm looking for ways to find good deals that I don't have to invest a lot of time into to find them. When I retire, maybe I'll have more time for that. But uh, I use property finders. I use uh, auction sites and um, I've used a couple of wholesalers as well.
0: Very good. So the property finders, you're about bird dogs, right? Yep. How did you initiate that practice? How did you go out and find them, and and then specifically, how did you find good ones that would actually work and bring you deals?
1: So I had a I had a house that I was flipping in Columbia, South Carolina, uh-huh. and uh, through a real estate agent there, they just asked me hey, when we went to the closing, hey, do you ever do anything in Spartanburg, South Carolina? I said I would if the deal's right, mm-hmm. and uh, so the next thing I know, I was driving to Spartanburg and looking at this property, which they wanted thirty six thousand dollars for it needed hardly anything to be painted it needed to have the floors had beautiful heart pine floors that needed to be sanded it needed an air conditioner that's it was twenty thousand dollars so um uh, i could see this how it could sell for easily for a hundred thousand i got a 109 for it um i paid 36 put 20 into it so from that deal led to another deal to another deal with that particular bird dog and uh each one of those deals that I... And it's just simply, hey, we don't know anybody else. Would you like to, you know, take a look at this one before we put it on the market? I'm like, yeah. Now, not every one of them has been a winner like that. Some of them I have passed on buying because they're garbage. 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 If I see that kind of value just to pad my losses in case I wasn't right, it's okay. If I don't see 40 here, I'm not going to do it. So that's pretty much how the. The Bird Dog was in Columbia actually and she sent me a couple of papers also since then as well.
0: Okay. So this was a real estate agent, right?
1: Formerly a real estate
0: agent, yeah. Formerly, okay. Mm-hmm. And then how did you connect with her?
1: So I flipped this house in Colombia and um I connected with her through the real estate agent who actually sold the property. Got it. Okay. So it was just a simple I did a deal, they said, Hey, do you do anything in Spartanburg? Yeah. I would.
0: So actually, uh, talking to people, (laughs) right?
1: You said long ago on an episode, maybe you don't remember it, but I do. Where do you find the deals? 32% come from your network.
0: Yeah, yeah, they do. So she was bringing you deals and then people are always wondering, how do you keep them motivated? How do you compensate them? Do you mind kind of breaking down what that structure looks like of how they get compensated?
1: I was paying them three thousand dollars each for a lead that I actually purchased, wow. and uh, once the deal closed, they get the three thousand. With the market as it is, there is a little bit more competition out there. I would say so. I've upped that to five thousand per lead that I purchase.
0: Okay, so
1: that's, that's enough that's- to interest you. It really right. is enough to interest them.
0: So that's contingent on close, and it has nothing, no relationship to how, how much you make. Correct. Got it. Got it. Very good. Super. And then uh, auction sites. You found some deals on auction sites. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, which sites?
1: HubZoo is one that I found a couple of deals on. Uh-huh. Uh, they've been pretty good. I found one on auction.com. It was a little bit more of a pain in the neck. Uh-huh. Then uh, HubZoo was actually a pretty easy process. All of the ones I bought about five on there. And uh, I have a little technique that, uh, that I do on, a, on an auction site. I know that there's going to be a lot of bids on some of these properties. Mm-hmm. So I will bid what I know is not a winner. And i just put on there, yes, contact me if this if the deal didn't go through. And I've got several of those where I was not the first one who won the deal. However, a month later, I get a phone call. Hey, you were number three, and uh, the other two, the deal fell through. So do you want the property? I'm like, yeah. Uh, but yeah. the price I put up there, yeah. Some of those have been really good, paid off really well, and the houses were simple to fix. I had one that had a hole in the kitchen floor. Com- uh, carpenter came over there for a thousand bucks, fixed it. I mean, that was the worst. Most of those I found on Hubs that would have been very easy to just paint, carpet, uh, maybe new appliances. Right. And that's that's about it. A little bit of yard work.
0: So if you lose the auction, you're just saying, call me if something else happens, comes up, if this falls through right.
1: Yeah. In fact, i bid kind of with the idea that I'm going to lose it. And if I get this one for the price I put out there, great. They'll call me. If not, well, I've
0: got it. So you just go in and participate, not necessarily <laughs> to win the auction, but hopefully the people that do win fall through. And that's, that's the strategy.
1: Yeah. Because, you know, sometimes on those sites, two years ago, three years ago, it wasn't as much as it is now. It's was on those sites. You, you, they keep coming back, you want to bid, you want to bid. And I just say no, because I know that there are people who are bidding that, bidding that. So if, if I put my position in at a value, let's say the house can sell for 300000 I want to get it for 200000 mm-hmm. So I put it in for that number. And um, I feel that that's the position that I can easily go to a hard money lender or even a private lender which by the way, I've got a couple of those now who are interested in my deals and I've had one or two fund those deals. So it is easier to do. But yeah, i put, I put a number where I know I can make money at it for sure. And if I get it, great. If I don't get it, that's great too.
0: What type of, uh, on those two auction sites, I've never used those two in particular. What type of due diligence do you do before you start bidding?
1: They give you the address. So okay. I look it up on the, I do some comps. I go and drive the neighborhood. If it's in uh, Columbia is a hundred miles from me and I've done three houses down there through Hoseon, I'll still go there and drive that neighborhood. For me, if I'm going to flip the property, one thing that I know is interesting to a buyer is what the neighborhood's like, what the, what the schools are, how old they are, the access to say hospitals and uh, healthcare and shopping. um, How I want to know, Obviously, I mean, not obviously, but I want to know that uh, it's going to be easy for the for the homeowner to get in and out of the property. They're not going to have a busy street. So, uh, you know, I refuse some of those because those are harder to sell. Mm-hmm. So I, I really go for what does 85% of the buying public want to purchase?
0: Right. So we've got the, in a few years, we've got the 22 deals we went from holding two properties to eight properties. The whole thing is is in the interest of financial independence and having that ability to retire when you want to retire. So, in hindsight, looking back, I mean, what has this all meant to you?
1: Well, that's kind of hard to put it in words. I mean, it's exciting. It's a million dollars on my bottom line for sure, uh, which came about in three years' time. So, what does a average couple like myself and my wife? What do we need? It certainly means that we have more means than we had. It also means I've got more skills that I didn't know that I had. And um, so when I do decide to fly the coop and retire, which could be any time, then I know that I could just quite confident that of what I can do. So uh, sometimes it doesn't feel that way when you got all the money out there on the property or you got two of them going on, you're thinking, no, oh, no, man, these things sell fast. But uh, I would say it means a big boost in confidence, confidence that I have the skills and that I know where I can find the deals, and I know where I can increase my skills
0: even further. Right. Yeah, that's the first pillar of the REI ACE investor is having the confidence of actually knowing what to do when you need to do it, and having the confidence that uh, you'll you'll actually get the result from it. So, fantastic. Okay, let's see. You you say you can fly the coop, retire, so to speak, anytime that you want. What do you see for the future? Immediate and far-reaching.
1: Well, I do work for a major automobile manufacturer. So, and they pay me really good. Mm-hmm. I have to stay there till I'm 60 in order to uh, collect the pension. That's another year away. Uh-huh. So, that's the immediate future right there. Uh, the real estate market where I am is just like everywhere else in the country, it's really hot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm looking for more ways to find deals. And I'd really like to increase my. Real estate income, the cash flow that I'm getting right now is about twenty five hundred a month. And so, you know what what this is meaning to me from my properties. So, uh, I just take that money and put it back into the put it back into the business. We don't we don't spend it. My wife would love to, but we don't spend it. So, we're trying to build a nest egg. You know that's that's smart. where we are. Fifteen years ago, I'd have spent it. Uh, now I realize what the what the big picture is.
0: And the values change as we the years pass on that.
1: Oh, yeah. But, you know, one thing, uh, He asked me a moment ago what it means to me. I have two friends who are older than me, 168 and 166 or something like that. And uh, they both started collecting Social Security. And um, they're, my cash flow checks, my, the amount of money I get in my cash flow, is more than each of them get from their Social Security. Right. So in a brief amount of time, really, and with really, I mean, truly part time effort. I've actually got that income already that they worked their entire life and that's part of right. their part of the real estate income, part of their retirement income.
0: Right. I hear that story so many times and and not necessarily about social security, but about people that have come to me and have put, you know, a good couple decades into an endeavor or a specific job or a career and, and they're looking at what they're gonna have at that retirement point and then uh, they're like well this is just not enough and so when they go out and they just you know spend a couple years and, and do some deals on their own they're like oh my gosh i i accomplished the same in a couple years what it took me a whole you know three decades to accomplish my job tony jarvis was the one that you know his, his cash flow now far exceeds his pension he's been at the bank for 40 years
1: Yeah, and you know what? The funny thing is, what I would add to that—everything you said—plus, this was much easier than I would have imagined. Mm -hmm. Real people need to people need to realize that they just need to jump in and start doing
0: something. Right, right. Yeah, Yeah, it was. Yeah, thanks for saying that. Um, Because I just love hearing that it's not difficult, right? I mean, it's most of us will go to some sort of job, right? We pick up the phone. We talk to people. We probably make proposals and we close deals. Like we, we, we have all of these types of skills in some fashion and some of this might be directly or indirectly, but we do that all day long as is outside of real estate. And if we just take that, and just kind of apply that to a real estate model, it pays a whole lot more. Yeah. Perfect. Well, thank you, Steve. Um, ask me this. What are the, uh, give me the three favorite things that you've enjoyed about working with Epic. Three
1: things favorite about Epic would be, first off, I enjoyed, uh, working with yourself and the team. Uh, but secondly was all of the other investors that I met or potential investors coming to the, uh, Epic events out there. And they were in California when I went, I think they're in Nevada now. Yeah. The last uh, when you can actually go to it and not have to wear a mask, but that was a blast. I'm still in touch with a lot of those folk. I would say the uh, the learning and the techniques would be also is really by working with REIs. The uh, dialogue that you have with a with a seller to get them to a point. I told another one of our one of your clients, one of our friends, I said, "No, I think you should memorize that thing because we all want to tend to make things too complicated. This thing just it's one of the techniques. It makes it simple, straight to the point, and you qualify." Whether or not you're ready to sell this property or not, mm-hmm. so I'll say those three things: uh, the working with your team, working with uh, the other uh, investors, keeping up with them, and then the techniques I've learned have been have been very valuable. They've been worth everything that I invested to come into the REI Ace program.
0: It's fantastic. Thank you. Uh-huh. Last thing, just finish this sentence for me. I almost didn't work with Epic because
1: <laughs> there's multiple reasons: money, time, fear. I uh, don't know if it, I mean, I've been listening to you for a long time when I joined, but you know, I don't know if it's really genuine or not, you know, these mm-hmm. kind of things. Um, so I did, and I'm glad that I did. Very good. Well, thanks, Steve, for taking time out of your day to be with us and share
0: your story. I'll Get say one right?
1: more thing. That's simply this. There was another, a colleague, he's another REIA investor, and he called me after we'd met each other out there in California. He called me and said, should I do this? and I was already in the program. And um, I said, you know, you got to think about it this way. What I think is Matt and Mercedes they're the real deal. Now there's a lot of shysters out there and stuff, but you guys keep putting it out there and so really I appreciate it because it's what's kept me motivated to stay in this because we have we all have enough distractions in our life. So the things you put out there, they're exciting, they're fun, and we learn a lot of, I learn a lot from them. So I would say Joining the REIS program was kind of like a continuation of what I've learned on podcasts and YouTube from yourself and a few others, but mainly from you.
0: Mm -hmm. It's great. Well, thanks again, Steve. I'll let you go. I appreciate you sharing your story, and I know the people that are listening appreciate it as well. It's very inspiring. My pleasure. And that wraps up the epic show.